Merciful Savior, we thank you for the chance to come again together for Sunday school, uh, to meet as a family, to talk about your truth and your word, talk about life together. Uh, We ask that you'd bless our time. We ask that you'd be with Isaac and Masha and Solo as they travel home from Chicago on Tuesday. Give them a safe trip. We pray that they've had a good time together uh, with family this weekend. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, um, so Masha's sister, Anya, got married yesterday. And so they were at the wedding. And uh, it was just neat because they not only got to celebrate with Anya, but they got to... um, See, Masha's family and, and most of Isaac's family was out for the wedding. So uh, I know his mom and his sisters came. His dad was actually doing a conference down in Corvallis, Oregon this weekend, and so he wasn't there. Um, Masha was the matron of honor. She wrapped her sister's toast. So make, I made Isaac promise that he would video it. So make sure you ask when they get back to see the video of Masha wrapping her sister's uh, toast as the matron of honor. So anyways, uh, Isaac's taken over adult Sunday school, for which I am extremely grateful. Uh, Just a lot going on, things to get done, and that frees me up to focus on other things. But periodically, he's going to be gone. And when he is... um, I'm going to take over the class. And I've wrestled, okay, so what do I talk about while he's gone? And, and there have been a few things rattling around in my head. Not surprising that my head rattles. Uh, but uh, things that I thought would be good to kind of talk about, have some family talks as a congregation. And uh, things like the mask mandates and, and how the church should respond and why, and why we've responded the way we do. Or, or I know there's other issues on people's minds, like the changing culture and all the anxiety that increase, induces, and, and how do we respond, and how do we view that. Uh, then there's things like CRT, social justice, um, and how we as Christians might understand those concerns and how we might respond and things like that. But I've never been quite sure what the right venue was uh, to address some of those. And... Um, I thought, hey, maybe when I have these extra times to teach Sunday school, that would be a great time. So I threw the idea out to the session. Uh, They all hid under the table and said, go for it. Uh, Kidding about the hiding under the table part, sort of. Uh, Isaac suggested, we should call them Brett Talks. And everybody laughed. I think he was kidding. But then I couldn't come up with anything better. So today, (laughs) we're having our first Brett Talk. And I'm sure there's more issues that are on your hearts and minds, and feel free to suggest them so that I can reject them, and uh, we'll go from there. Now, I'm going to admit, uh, I am doing this with a bit of hesitancy, um, or a lot. Uh, These are emotional topics, and emotional topics bring out a lot of passion, a lot of fear, a lot of anger. Uh, We see this all around us today, don't we? And uh, the reality is we see it in the church, and we see it in our church. Um, I've heard a lot of things said, firsthand and secondhand, in our congregation. uh, and And they probably weren't intended to be hurtful, but they have hurt people nonetheless. Um... What am I talking about? I'm talking about comments like this. I wear masks because I care. What's the implication? 
If you don't, you don't care. That, that the only people who care are the people who agree with me on this. It might be compassion that's leading you, but when you say it that way, what you're insinuating and what people hear is, if you don't agree with me, if you don't do the same thing, it's because you don't care, because life's not important to you, and so on. Um, uh, there's been statements, posts, things like about vaccines. Like, there's no way I'm putting that in my body. And what's the implication? What's what what is is heard when somebody says something like that? It's if you do, right? You're a fool. Um, I've sat with people in our church who are in tears because of things they've seen and heard from other people in our congregation that make them feel like they don't belong. Like, like because they have a different approach, they have a different conviction, they're outsiders and aren't welcome, that people don't want them around. And that can be direct comments. It could be just walking by a conversation at church. And it can be, where's the main place this takes place? Facebook, right? Or for people under 30, you know, other social media. Because evidently Facebook is for old people, right? Which is now defined by anybody over 30. Um, and they're also, also something that people do is they, they just forward emails they get which have a certain bent to just everybody in their address book or every, assuming that, that everybody just agrees with them. And those things can be very hurtful. I've heard that too. And, and, and why I'm bringing this up is, is, is not because I, I, I want a gag order on everybody that you're not allowed to talk about things. But the Lord has made it clear that the way we say things is as important as what we say. Um, Ephesians 4.15. You guys know this verse, I'm sure. Speaking the truth in... Oh, you do know the verse. Yeah, in love we are to grow up together in every way uh, to him who is the head into Christ. Um, or Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. It means try to, to honor others more than you honor yourself. Try to be the one who honors others the most. Like, that's a good competition. Or, I'm sure you're all familiar with 1 Corinthians 13.2, right? And if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If you have all truth, but you have not love, God says you're nothing. Um, this, is, this was the problem with the churches in Ephesus and Sardis in the letters uh, to the churches, seven letters to the seven churches in, in Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, the churches in Ephesus and Sardis were really good at truth and really bad at love. And the Lord says, no, that's not it. Uh, and so 
I want to talk about these things. I don't want to ignore these issues, but I would like to do so in a way uh, that we strive to speak kindly, we try to strive to speak with understanding, and we try to speak gently. Not avoid, but we try to do those things well, honoring those with whom we might disagree. Um, And we need to be prepared that at the end of discussion, we might still disagree (laughs) on what the best response and approach is, and that's okay. But if we honor one another in the way we do it along the way, if we treat each other kindly and with respect, we will be far more able to love each other at the end of the discussion amidst our disagreements And so my goal is, okay, let's talk about it. Um, That's what we want to do. And and the elders have made decisions about how to respond um, to people's concerns, to state's guidance, and so on. And and today, um, I say today, I have prepared way too much for today. So uh, today and next time, whenever that is, whether that's next week or or next time Isaac's out of town, I kind of want to walk through... Um, how we ended up where we ended up. And yes, I say, I mean, ended up, because there's been development in our thinking. We've we had to wrestle with things that we hadn't foreseen at the beginning. Uh, we have um, learned. We have changed. Uh, we've, and were we to have it to do all over again, there are a number of things that we would do differently, that we would do better. Um... I'm sorry, there's been confusion. I really am. I know there has been, and I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry for some of the decisions we've made. I don't think they were the best in retrospect, looking back. You did your best. We tried, yeah. yeah you but being No, we weren't. But this is simple reality is... no. We, if I had to do it all over again, I think if we had to do it all again, I think there's some very different decisions we would have made. And, 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 and it's okay to regret and learn. Um, but there were two parts. Of course. Well. Yeah. So what would you do <laughs> Can you ask that at the end? So you could run out the door? No, no. no. <laughs> See, he's just saying what I was thinking. Um... I think I can answer that with a lot more context at the end, if that's fair. I, 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 I really feel like one of the best ways to do this is, is to have discussion, but also kind of narrate our journey so that you can see the development in our thinking and things we've had to wrestle with and reevaluate, if that's fair. And I think if we do that, that will actually give a context in which, okay, so that's why they might have done something different. Okay. Uh, and I am. I'm sorry for the mixed signals. Um, and, and, and I'm also sorry we haven't had this conversation earlier. I know people have wanted to have this conversation, haven't known what the best venue was. I haven't been excited about it, but um, I think we could have done this and should have done this a while ago. So, um, now as I think about all the issues that people end up discussing in, in relation to this, and um, I am going to try to be somewhat narrow on, on purpose. I, I, I think the discussion we have to say is, is 
is the church's response as church, which is different from individuals' responses as individuals. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to try to answer. I know there's going to be some questions, and we might kind of talk about what might go into making those decisions about, do I wear a mask if I go to uh, Target and things like that? And you guys, we can... I don't want to answer that for everybody. Part of my narrow focus is what do we do on Sunday morning as a church? That's what I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with. And, and as I hear about everybody's concerns and thoughts, it feels like they kind of fall into two major categories. Um, and the first has to do with what it looks like to love one another, to serve one another in the midst of some very different assessments of what is going on, what the dangers are. Uh, that's the first. What does it mean to love each other? How do we serve each other? Uh, those are very individual kind of like uh, um, questions. And the second is how Christians and in in churches specifically are to relate to um, the state government and things like those seem to be like the kind of big category type issues that people wrestle with when we talk about this. And so I'd like to spend time looking at each. My guess is the state, well, I'm not even guessing at this point. I know that the state questions are going to have to be next time. So we'll just kind of wrestle first. So um, you see your, your outline. Um, we're going to do with strengths, strength, weakness, and fear, uh, those, those first, uh, that first big section today. Um, kind of, does that make sense where we're headed and what we're trying to do? Okay. Um, back in May of 2020, so a year and a half ago, prior to, to resuming worship in person together, um, I preached a sermon on Romans 14. And uh, in that chapter, Paul uh, talks about what it means for those who are stronger in the faith to serve those who are weaker. Um, and the example he brings up in that chapter, anybody remember? Meat offered to idols, absolutely. Meat sacrificed to idols. He brings up this example, and, and, and really there's a principle behind it, but what he basically says is this. He says, look, I know that idols are nothing, and therefore meat sacrificed to idols doesn't change the meat. <laughs> In fact, sometimes it's the best meat that's sacrificed. I can eat it with a clear conscience. I don't feel like any bad you know, voodoo is put on this meat or something like that. He says, but I know that there are Christians for whom they feel like that meat has been uh, used in, in a pagan ceremony and it's tainted and their conscience won't allow them to eat it. And he says, look, I know I can, but I know that it would violate their conscience too. So when I'm with them, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to be like, well, I get to do whatever I want to do. And he says, so I just abstain when I'm with them. Um, He knows that some people don't feel freedom where others do. Typically, the application for that today would be something like alcohol. A lot of Christians feel the freedom to drink alcohol. A lot don't. Okay, so when you're with somebody who doesn't, do you have to have that? Or, you know, or can you just not have that that day? That's fine, right? Um, and so a year and a half ago, the way I saw it was that some felt the need to wear masks and others didn't. So what did I do? I, I identified the stronger 
with the ones who didn't feel the need, and the weaker with the ones who felt the need. And I thought that those who didn't feel the need could certainly wear a mask for those who felt the need. And so, while, while, uh, while we as the, as the elders in the session avoided the language of requiring, we certainly set the expectation that everybody would wear them when we got back together. What do you think? Is that the right distinction, that those who, in this, to use the language of Romans 14, that those who f- feel the need to wear masks are the weaker, and those who don't feel the need to ma- wear the mask are stronger. Yeah, Charlie. I'm not sure if those, actually, if those were the right categories. Okay. I mean, that makes sense trying to exposit the text that way. Mm-hmm. But as you opened up with it, because these views were so Okay. It was, like you said, I wear because I care. Okay. There was a sense of conscience and higher morality. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it wasn't that these that people were necessarily, I didn't meet anybody that was racked with fear, but I met a lot of people that, and all sides, thought that Romans 13 supported them, right? So it was about, it was a moral argument, not a fear weaker. Okay. Yeah, and um, okay, so you didn't. We're going to get to that whole. What does it mean to submit to the government, right? Because that is part. We're part of it. But okay, so you you think that people didn't really. Uh, the conversations I had were not. This is scary, but this is just what we should do to submit. It's easy. Okay. But but with that comes that sense of I'm not. Because that's what it means to submit, I'm not free not to. So there is going to be some level of my conscience says I need to. Sure, yeah. At, at some level, yeah. Right, and so part of the, the job now is to, to, is to actually clearly define what it means to be weak. I think we use that term. We can, we can think that that term is pejorative, that it's, it's negative. Like, oh, okay. But here's how I would define it in, in, in terms of Romans 14, what Paul is basically saying. When there are two legitimate options and somebody feels the freedom to do only one of those, okay? When there are two legitimate options, drink a beer, not drink a beer but you feel the, the freedom to only do one of those, he says, okay, then there's a, there's a, there's a, a weakness there that, that doesn't understand the freedom to do either. Okay? I think that's what he's basically saying. So the stronger is the one who says, I can do A or B. The weaker is the one who says, I can only do A or B. <laughs> only versus either. Okay? Fill that in. You said it creates a lack of understanding in what way? Oh, absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah, there, there can... When you only feel the freedom to do one, it, it can obviously lead to judge, judging the other who does the other. Yeah. So, by that definition, all sides will be... That's what I've come to realize. 
there are just as many consciences that don't feel comfortable wearing masks as those who feel compelled to. What I realize, what I have come to realize abundantly is, is there, are com- there are convictions and compulsions on both sides. And there are as many people who would feel their conscience violated to as to not. I don't know that I worded that right, but you get the idea. That I realized that it's, I totally misjudged and ca- miscategorized in those terms. And that's come to, I've come to realize that just through a lot of conversations. A lot. Um, I have heard a lot of reasons why people don't feel comfortable wearing masks, especially on Sunday morning. And um, I, I don't feel the need to rehearse them all. But what I would say is this, that to assume it's no big deal is incredibly naive. And, and naive, by naive, I don't mean, I just mean uninformed. Like you haven't had the conversations, listened to people and given them the benefit of the doubt that what they're saying is really what's in their heart. Because if you do, you're going to hear a lot, a lot of reasons. Um, it's a big deal both ways. It's interesting. Okay, so our website, you know, what's the, what's the point of our website for the most part? Outreach. Tell people who we are, right? Obviously, we use it for sermon distribution, Sunday school distribution, things like that, right? Uh, do some information. But a lot of it's just kind of like, hey, if you're, if you're new to the area or you're looking for a church, here's who we are. And, and part of that is we have this little place on our website where you can contact us. You know, it's just, you just fill in a little bit of information, shoot us an email. Anyone want to guess what the number one question I've gotten about people thinking about visiting our church over the last year and a half is? Do you require masks? Some won't come if we don't. Some won't come if we do. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Both ways. And for me... To think that it was only a big deal for part of that conversation was a complete misread of what was going on. Does that? I do think Romans 14 applies here, but I've really come to see that it. There are some people who are like, I I don't care. You know, you want me to wear them? I'll wear them. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm fine. But there's a lot of people who that's not the case for. In fact, I would say the people who are really, truly fine either way tend to be the minority. And so, no, I think, I think really there's some who, who can only do A, some who can only do B, and that's what I was missing. Um, it's, it's, it's not the, the understanding of the passage per se, but the application of that passage that I really, I think, missed. Um, there are people on both sides who only feel free to do one thing. Okay. So we had, as a session, to reevaluate how does Romans 14 apply here? Before I move on to the next section, does... 
You can't, are you following that? Any questions, comments? Um, keeping 1 Corinthians 13, too, in mind. You know, I, you know, I want us to discuss, I just want us to just discuss kindly and, and understand. Yeah, John. Um, there are um, numerous scriptures that support that. Um, mm-hmm. You're saying, basically, that the weakness is found in um, being on the right and the left, not walking the road of love down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I thought really seems to sum that up is uh, 2 Timothy, where he's talking here about, uh, and that's 2 Timothy 2, he says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. Yeah, what, what passage? That's 2 Timothy 2. Yeah, 2 Timothy 2, right? So, And this is one of many passages, especially in the pastoral epistles, so First, Second Timothy, and Titus, where, where, where Paul talks about guarding the church um, from needless arguments. Now, some that mean some take that to mean you can't discuss anything. But what he's talking about is quarrelsome people who want to divide, who want to conquer, who want to control, right? Flag. <laughs> yeah, flag planting and things like that, and. and and, and so I want to be super careful, right? Because on the one hand, Paul's response in Romans 14 is not, would you people who are opposed to sacrifice, stop planting your flags? That's not how he responds. His response is, is, is and it's clearly not, I would, I would that you would always um, uh, refuse to eat meat sacrificed to idols. But his question is, how do I love you where you're at today? That's his question. And so, um, does he think it's a necessary flag to be planted? Absolutely not. But is that what he attacks? No. He says, okay, so how do I love you there? And then maybe one day we'll agree. But I'm not going to just assault the flag, right? Um, and, and, and that's where you get into those needless disputes and controversies because all you can focus on is whose flag is the right one. And Paul's like, I'm really much more concerned about the person than the flag. Yeah. And that, and so he, he talks to Titus and he talks to Timothy and he says, watch out for those people who are only concerned about the flags that are being planted and not the people because they are going to tear the church apart. Um. Get to know the person, and, and then go from there. And so, yeah. So, um, I, I mean, that's a I, um, it's a good reminder. He says very something very similar, I think, in Titus three. Um, any other? Okay. This is the best venue I could think of. So, yeah. Um, it's a great time. We're all together. we got a time to discuss. It's good. So, yeah. Um, we'll make it available. Yeah. 
So closely tied to that first issue, um, weaker, stronger, is uh, a word that keeps getting thrown around. I hear this all the time. Uh, it's fear, right? Um, one thing I've heard over and over is they're just afraid, we can't be driven by fear, so on, things like this. And they quote passages like Deuteronomy 31.8, uh, it is the Lord who goes before you, he will be with you, he will not leave you nor forsake you, do not fear or be dismayed, right? In fact, uh, fear not is, is the most repeated command in the Bible. Um, and you know who is typically speaking in this case, Right? Uh, typically it's the people who are comfortable going anywhere, anytime, uh, pointing out the fear that leads others to stay home, uh, to mask up, and so on. What do you think? Uh, is that a fair breakdown? Is only people who are concerned about COVID who are afraid? Other fears, yeah. Sarah. Yeah, just I couldn't hear everything that she said, but like. It's okay, he was cheating. Uh, no, just kidding. Fear of, you know, loss of freedoms, of the changes in society, new laws, new mandates, um, job changes, job losses. Caleb? I, those are all great. They were all in my list, and I could probably add, maybe add one or two, but those are a pretty good list that there are, there are fears all over the place, and to pretend that there's a, a you know, in this discussion... Yes, yeah, Steve? Just for the benefit of everyone who might listen to this on the website, could you kind of repeat some of those Yeah, Steve's saying, everybody who's listening to this, shame on you for... No, no I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, um, I, I will in a minute. Um, I'll try to run through some of those and, and see if uh, we missed any. But before we get there, let me ask you this. Is all fear wrong? No. No. Okay. Why not, Gary? Because you... Okay. That's, that's kind of cheating, but you're right. Like, one of the other very often commanded verses, I mean, commands in the Bible is fear God. Fear the Lord. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, what did you say? Fear of heights can keep you safe. Did you hear what? So what Steve said was, some fear protects you. That's interesting. And some fears you can't help. Okay, some fears you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, claustrophobia, uh, arachnophobia or the fear of long words, or things like that. Uh, I can't remember what the word is now, but I, uh, I know it was in my sermon a while back. Yeah, I do think we need to step back a minute. Um, every day we make decisions based upon some degree of fear. Okay. 
Um, why do some people choose to eat healthy foods? Because they're more expensive. <laughs> I hate this money. The Lord tells me to be free of money. I will buy the more expensive food. Thank you. <laughs> now, why do why would they choose to eat the more healthy food? Not how other foods are processed. There are things that they don't want to buy. But but what's what, that's still not telling me why they choose not to eat those processed other foods. What? Fear of poor health, right? Why do people uh, wear seatbelts? Is that the only reason? Is it the only reason? Maybe for some, but because. <laughs> And you have a fear of beeping. <laughs> uh, why do we lock our doors at night? Um, keep the relatives out. Because you have a fear of relatives, John. I, I, my point is simply this. All of these things we do at some level because of fear of consequences of not doing them, Right? Um, not exercising uh, or eating well uh, will lead to health issues, um, shortened lives, and so on. Uh, some of us wear seatbelts uh, because we know that if we are in a car accident and accidents happen, your chances of surviving or not being as majorly injured uh, are increased with a seatbelt. Um, we especially put these on our children because we want our children to be safe. We fear them getting hurt. Uh, we make choices every day on what I would call um, a relative fear. Okay, A relative fear is given two choices and the potential consequences. Which consequence are you more willing to live with? Which one do you fear less? And I, I don't think this is an unhealthy fear. Um, Fear of heights. I get that I'm more likely to hurt myself falling off of a 70-foot tree than I am off the floor, onto the floor. Um, and, and so that, that fear is, is there to, to protect me in some sense. Um, I, fear what might, I, I fear what might happen if I do A more than I fear what might happen if I do B, and so I choose B. Um, Otherwise, we would say something like this. The, the, the person who smokes two packs of cigarettes a day, only eats red meat, no vegetables, and refuses to exercise because he doesn't fear cancer, that's a strong Christian. That's what loving the Lord looks like. Um, making healthy choices because you fear these diseases, where's your faith? Like That's not how we actually talk in real life. Like We get that some fears... Are, are healthy. Um, jumping off of a skyscraper and trying to fly um, lacks good fear. Um, and so we want to be careful there um, that we don't try to say, only, you know, that if you're a true Christian, you would never lock your doors at night. Um, I don't think that's what the Bible says. Um, I think what God is forbidding is what I might call not relative fear, but paralyzing fear. 
Okay, any uh, paralyzing fear is a fear that keeps you from doing something the Lord wants you to do because of fear. Like, because of fear, you, you, you can't do what the Lord's calling you to do, right? Uh, what are some good examples of, of this in the Bible? Yeah. There's giants in the land, right? Numbers, you know. Caleb and Joshua are like, the Lord is on our side, let's do this. And the other ten are like, yeah, because there's this, you know, Canaanites, they're big. Um, yeah, so maybe we shouldn't do that, right? What, what led Peter to deny Jesus before that slave girl? Fear. Those are the things that, that the Bible is really addressing, right? That, that when, when God says, this is what I expect you to do, and your fear keeps you from doing it, you need to not be afraid. And that doesn't mean that he will always rescue you from the consequences. John Huss gave his life. Peter gave his life. Paul gave his life. And, 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 and they didn't fear what man could do to them. They feared God who could destroy both body and soul and hell forever, right? So when the Bible talks about not being controlled by fear, it's, it's talking about don't let your fear of man, your fear of death, your fear, keep you from honoring the Lord. That's what it's addressing. Not, what? Do you, is it reasonable to say then that whatever sides in this conversation would consider themselves the fear that they're exhibiting is response to the consequence of not honoring the Lord. So to do so is to honor the Lord by submitting to authorities. To not do so is to honor the Lord and to not pinch incense to Caesar, so to speak. That both sides are preoccupied with the consequences of not honoring the Lord in these respective areas. Um. Or is that too generous? I think that might be a little too generous. Uh, maybe not always. Um, I think there's there's some legitimate fears, and, and, and I'm going to try to get through a few of this. Man, the clock is like on fast forward today. Um, uh, yeah, let me come back to that. Um, Everyone's afraid of something. Uh, for some, it's the fear of getting sick and possibly dying. I, in this conversation, like in the, the COVID mask, all that stuff. For others, it's the freedom that you guys have already mentioned. Let me list out a few. Losing personal freedom. Um, losing their jobs. Uh, the freedom to go shopping, right? The freedom to be with loved ones in a hospital. Uh, the freedom to visit loved ones in a nursing home. Uh, the freedom to gather for worship in person. Um, some choose to get the vaccine because of fear of COVID. Some choose not to get to get it because of the fear of side effects. Right? There are there are fears everywhere, and, and and all I'm just saying is, can we just admit that? Can we just acknowledge that there are fears everywhere that most, if not all, of us are experiencing? Um, can we stop pretending that some are being driven by fear and that others are impervious to its effects? Like, I'm not. 
and I don't think I've really met anybody who is. I mean, I, I, there's just different fears. And I think the temptation sometimes, to say, it's, it's easy to identify the fears that drive others and not the fears that drive us and just say, you just need to stop being afraid. And it's like, okay, great. But we're all afraid of something. And even if we're not, at least can we, can we be patient with those who are? Um, so what should we do? Uh, <laughs> where I was going to go is the command to love and be gentle and, and patient with your brother and sister is a command that the Lord expects. And if your fear is keeping you from doing that, then that's an impediment. That's a paralyzing fear. If, you're, if your fear, whichever that is, is keeping you from being patient, long-suffering, being quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger, then it's a paralyzing fear, and it's not a relative fear. Because that's a clear command in Scripture. But I'm going to be honest. It's easy, right? I have my own fears, my own concerns. Um where I have to be putting those in check between the Lord, it's not simply saying, okay, which decision do I want to make for different options, but what are my particular leanings leading me to do in treating my brothers and sisters in Christ who, who might disagree? Last year, I she... <laughs> so, Liar! So, it, so coming back to Romans 14 then, this is a, this is a misapplication on our part, it sounds like what you're saying, right? So we read, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. And we project the insult rather than consider ourselves. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think it's always easier to see the, the perceived insult received rather than the, than the one given, uh, which might have to do something with logs and specs and all that stuff, you know. Um, but the, but let's, let's just be honest. There are times, I want to be careful here, okay, um, There are times when people are going through certain treatments like chemotherapy and it destroys your immune system. Absolutely zeroes it out. Um, I don't think families are living in paralyzing, disobeying fear if they say, you know what? (laughs) Well, my loved one, my wife, my daughter, my my father or whatever, has zero immunity. We're going to actually just stay isolated for a while and not go out in public. I don't think they're living in paralyzing fear. I think they're, they're asking, what are the needs of my loved one and how do I serve them, right? Um, there are similar concerns over COVID. Look, for people like me, it's really not a big deal. I had it. Um, and I'll be honest, I've been a lot sicker than that, okay? I get it. Um, my sister-in-law's grandparents passed away. Uh, best friend's mom died. Uh, for other people, it, it's, it's not a minor thing. Um, you know, uh, those with, with heart issues, diabetes, respiratory issues, uh, the mortal- mortality rate is, is way, way higher. And, and, and I get it. Caution is understandable. I get it. Okay. What I, what I think I would say is that when fears cause you to lash out at brothers and sisters and make those kinds of comments that we began with, that we are letting fear paralyze us in a certain sense. That, that's all. Um, keep us from doing what honors the Lord.
So what does all this mean for, oh, goodness. Okay. For decisions that the session has made. It's this. We understand everyone has fears. Uh, We've come to understand that when it comes to masks, there are people who feel compelled to wear them, and there are people who feel compelled not to. Um, And the elders don't want to tell either not to come to worship, that they're not welcome. We really don't. Um, The session doesn't want to make wearing or not wearing a barrier to entering into God's presence. We really believe it's up to the individual and their conscience. And that's where we want to leave it. And I realize that there's some who say, well, well, unless everyone wears one, I will never feel welcome. And, and, I, and to a degree, I understand that concern, but some would argue that... The, that um, and, and they would say that because they would say, you know, the, the argument goes that the mask you wear protects others more than it protects yourself. And I'm not going to debate that. That it's just I just want to acknowledge the concern being expressed. What what I would challenge maybe is the wording. I think what they're really saying is is I don't feel safe unless everybody wears, which is different than I don't feel welcome. Um, everyone is welcome, but for everyone to be welcome, we must also allow for people to make different decisions based upon their conscience. Um, Session just doesn't believe that the Bible calls us to say only one way or the highway. That's where we've come to. That's where we've gotten. That's why we don't um, require and police and and, and things like that. Um, We want to love everybody with different convictions, where they're at. Make room. Encourage love, patience, thoughtfulness, things like that. But that's how we got to the point where we are. That's how we got to essentially the policy that we're following. Um, I apologize to those who have just walked in because it's like, oh, I'm, I'm just hearing the conclusion. You know. And really, I, again, I, like I said, th- that's half. Uh, we can talk about the church's relationship to the government and things like that next time. Um, and I've gone past time, so I'm any quick questions or comments, and then I'm going to close in prayer. We can always talk and pick things up next time. Um, one of the things we kind of passed over here in the discussion with love is the fact that sanctification for believers, not for believers, but for believers, is a process. Yeah. And it begins, and it moves till death. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, all we're all on a journey, and we've got to have some room for people to be at different places on the journey than the place where you're at. Um, and like I said, you know, for the session, we, we've taken a journey. We're, there's been changes. There's not just in our practice, but in our thinking. And I just kind of wanted to start to walk through a little bit of, of what those were and why um, and, and try to give. Charlie, one. I remember a guy who looks just like you who said, This is the last time. This is an interruption. You asked for questions. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just want to say that I, I appreciate that sentiment and that what the session, what you guys your discernment and that's what it comes to because that's the greater witness. The world right now is trying to draw the hard lines and to strike a vision. And for us to witness as a beacon by saying, come as you are, whether you do or you don't, you are loved here, I think is counterculture at this point. It's our goal. Yeah. Um, 
and, and like I said, there, I have more to say. I, I think this is really kind of one side of the conversation, and there's another side, which I'll, I'm happy to get into, or at least willing, uh, but time. So maybe next week or another time I'll pick up. Um, so I'm going to close in prayer because we are well past time, and then um, we'll go from there. Our gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for this body. We thank you for this family. We thank you for these people. And that you give us uh, a word that we can open together, wrestle with together, so that we might um, better understand you and better love each other. And so we ask that you would uh, take my feeble attempts to express these ideas and that you might, uh, by your spirit, uh, bear some fruit through them. Father, we, we lift these things up in Christ's name. Amen.